My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm glad you could join us this morning for our uh, online edition of Our Sunday School. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 6. We'll be getting there in just a second. For those of you that are new to our Sunday school, uh, welcome. And uh, a couple of things to be aware of this morning as we go through. Um, The handout for today's lesson, uh, Julie just posted a link to it directly, but if you wanna go to OurSundaySchool.com and click on the uh, Read tab, now, you, you can also, at OurSundaySchool.com, there's a wide variety of resources that you can walk through. So you can listen to past lessons. Uh, if you go to the Read tab and scroll all the way to the bottom, you're looking for the white T that's associated with today's date. Uh, and then uh, also at OurSundaySchool.com, you subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast. Uh, lots of lessons that have been posted there specifically as they relate to Mark. Um, we're in week 57 of Mark. Uh, so if you got your Bibles, go ahead and go to Mark chapter 6. Big thanks to Josh Landers for teaching last week. Uh, excited about listening to that lesson this week, and uh, he did a great job. Thank you, Josh. I know he and Katie and very likely Ike are watching this morning, so good morning, guys. And uh, Josh finished up with Mark 6.34 last week, so we'll start at 6.35 this week. Now, the question that we typically ask each week is, what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Uh, So since only Julie is in the room with me this morning, uh, I will not make her answer that question. Uh, And if you hear snickering or laughing at the awful jokes this morning, it is only Julie. So there you go. Uh, She has told me I'm a blessing by saying that to her this morning. Uh, She is also telling me that she is my, what looks like, number one fan. So uh, there's that. So Mark chapter 6 this morning. Mark chapter 6. Now, if you are listening uh, with your family right now, I will give you the same uh, advice uh, that I give to our Sunday school class regularly, which is when the Word of God is being read, this is the time to be still and be quiet and to listen. So I would encourage you to do that as uh, we read now. Mark chapter 6. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, Shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. 
and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. And some said John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. But an opportunity came to, when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, Whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, For what should I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. And he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought, brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl, and the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard of it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away and go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and sang a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret and moored to the shore. And when they got out of the boat, the people immediately recognized him and ran about the whole region and began to bring the sick people on their beds to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might even touch the fringe of his garment. 
and as many as touched it were made well. So for those of you that may have just joined us, we are in Mark chapter 6. And if you want to go and see today's handout that we're teaching from, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the Read tab, scroll all the way down to the bottom of the Mark series, and click on the appropriate button for the teacher notes. So last week, as I mentioned just a minute ago, Josh finished up Mark 6.34 for us. So we're going to start in Mark 6.35. So if you've got your handout, uh, and it is the exact same one from Josh's lesson last week in class. So if you've got your handout, I'm at the bottom of page 191 there on verse uh, number 35. So we'll start in verse 35. So it says, And when it grew late, so the setting for today's uh, text is late in the day, so when it grew late, top of page 192, his disciples came to him, came to Jesus, and said, so the disciples are speaking to Jesus at this point, this is a desolate place. Now, the word desolate here is a key word in this text. It shows up several times. Jesus' disciples had just come back from an extensive uh, exercise going and doing and being obedient to what he has asked them to do. They are tired. They are likely emotionally spent. And in this interim, we learn in Matthew, uh, John the Baptist actually dies. Uh, Mark sometimes puts things out of order chronologically, but uh, it is very consistent with Matthew's uh, timeline. So he sends them away. John the Baptist is beheaded. They come back. They would have known John. This would have been personal to them. Jesus obviously knew John. This would have been personal to him. Uh, they were hurting, and Jesus shepherd. Uh, mindset and shepherding ability really kicks in to overdrive here. And uh, so the disciples tell Jesus this is a desolate place. Uh, and I, I don't think it is an uh, accident that uh, today, of all days, we get to Mark 6.35. Uh, because the word desolate literally means lonesome or wasteful. And the next few weeks and possibly months in America might be lonely for many people. And I promise you that uh, your shepherd will not leave you, will not forsake you, and he does some of his best work in desolate places. So don't push away from that. The same good shepherd who last week we saw prepares the place for us that we go into has prepared this place as well. Uh, so don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. God knows what he is doing. Ours is to be found faithful while he is doing it. So the disciples say, this is a desolate place, and the hour uh, is now late. So we're late in the day. Verse 36, send them away. Now, I have highlighted something on the handout here in verse 36, that the word send is an active imperative. So this is the disciples talking to Jesus, and the disciples give Jesus an imperative. An imperative is a command. And I will caution us very heavily whenever we are speaking to the Almighty uh, to not use imperatives. Uh, there is a great deal of um, arrogance and uh, very little humility when we look at Jesus, when we talk to God and begin to use imperatives. So I would, I would caution us here uh, around telling Jesus what to do. Um, so 
they say send them. They're talking about the crowd that is gathered around, as Josh uh, painted that picture last week. So send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So there is, make sure we've got the picture here. So Jesus, his uh, 12 apostles, his disciples around him. Uh, we learn later in the text, thousands and thousands of people around them. And the disciples are saying, send them away. This is a desolate place. We can't help them here. Send them away. So top of page uh, 193, verse 37. But he, this is Jesus, answered them. It's a beautiful response. He says, you, and this is a plural you. So he's talking to all of the disciples collectively. You give them. Now, if you'll notice what I've highlighted on the handout here, this is also an active imperative. Uh, one of the most interesting things that we see about Jesus in the New Testament is that when he was asked a question, his most common response to a question was another question. His most common question back was actually, have you not read? So have you not read the scriptures and no? I think it's interesting here that when he has given an imperative, his response back is actually an imperative. So you go commanding the holy God of the universe, uh, be expectant that he might respond. Uh, and Jesus responds here beautifully relative to what he is teaching the disciples and how he's going to care for the crowd. So he says, you give them something to eat. So at this point, their mind starts spinning just a little bit because they could literally look around and see thousands of people. And uh, from the context, we know that they did not carry with them massive amounts of uh, food and water and uh, other things that they would need to survive out here in this desolate place. So they said back to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? So just a couple of, a couple of points here. So the word denarii, uh, I've highlighted the little F there, the superscript. Uh, we've got a footnote. If you go down to the footnote at the bottom of page 196, it says a denarius was a one day's wage for a laborer. So if you figure out for just a second, they say if we went and bought uh, 200 denarii worth of bread, right? So 200 days wages. So there's 12 apostles. You do the math out, as I typically do. Uh, it's about two and a half weeks wages for each one of them. So put yourself in this situation. Your teacher who you follow around is just told you, uh, you go and give them something to eat. And Jesus is doing something here very specifically. He is going to show them their dependence upon Jesus for meeting both their own needs and the needs that are gonna come up later in their ministry. But he says, you go do this. And they do the math and say, if we bought 200 denarii worth of bread and give it them to eat. And so one thing is I just want you to make sure you understand that this is two and a half weeks pay for each one of them. So if you think through, if your pastor came to you and said, we've got to solve this crisis right now. I need you to give two and a half weeks of your salary right now. That's a big ask. That's a big ask. This is not a small amount that Jesus is, uh, that the disciples are proposing here. And then the second half of this, I want you to see exactly what they proposed. Their answer was bread. Now, if you, if you know how the story unfolds, because I literally just read it to you, uh, Jesus' answer was more than that. So in the scheme of the disciples' thought-making process here, their answer was bread. So just 
tuck that away and we'll come back to that in a few minutes. So shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So there's a question back to Jesus, right? So we're, we're, we're a, a command to Jesus, a command back to the disciples, a question to, the, to Jesus, and then what does Jesus respond? Jesus responded, how many loaves do you have? So question back to them. So Jesus is, is doing what they are doing uh, to him. So how many loaves do you have? And then he gives them two words. Go see. Now the word and is actually supplied in our English translations, but it's not present in the original. So this go, this present active imperative, this keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. This is uh, the idea that you're going to keep going and doing this until the job is completely done. And, and if you think from the context, this would have taken a while to do. This was not something that they could just turn and ask one person, how many loads do you have? Okay, we're all done. This would have required extensive conversation with this crowd, a lot of communication. So there would have been some time that elapsed between the time Jesus says go and the time Jesus says see. So two separate uh, commands, uh, go and see. So next part of the verse here, and when they had found out, so they're coming back, they're coming back to Jesus, they found out, they say five and two fish. So don't, don't miss something here. When they were obedient to what Jesus told them to go and do, the answer that Jesus provided for them was larger and more comprehensive and better than what they dreamed up on their own. So they dreamed up bread on their own. Jesus goes and tells them, go and find out what's here. And they say five and two fish. So uh, just a quick uh, note about uh, the fish. The word for fish here is ichthus. And it is a, uh, there's a fantastic Wikipedia article on this. Uh, very well organized with lots of great content. I would encourage you to go look this up after the lesson today. But uh, ichthus is the Greek word here. And this actually was a, a bit of an inside uh, symbol for the early church. Uh, there was an acrostic that was associated with uh, ichthus. So the I stood for Jesus, this is Jesus. The X stood for Christos, this is Christ. Uh, the theta stood for uh, Theos, which is God. The Y stood for Hyos, uh, which is uh, Son. And then the uh, Sigma stood for Soter, which is Savior. So Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior, which is a beautiful way to... Uh, uh, Several of the early church fathers actually used this, and you would make this symbol in the ground when you thought somebody else was a believer, and if they made this symbol back, then this was an easy way when Christianity was illegal in many parts of the world for one believer to recognize another. Uh, so the interesting thing is Jesus takes fishermen, teaches them how to fish for men, provides uh, fish for individuals, uh, so this symbol becomes very closely associated with Christianity itself. So they say five and two fish, verse 39. Then he commanded them. Now this word uh, commanded, the last time this word is used in uh, the Gospel of Mark was in 627. Uh, so the most recent usage of this word was when Herod commanded the executioner to go and take John the Baptist's head from him. So I want to draw a distinction because the sequencing of these things is not accidental. The Holy Spirit did not make a mistake in the structure of putting together the Gospel of Mark. 
And what we see is that Herod uses his commands to harm the body of Christ, to remove the head of someone who was a great asset for the kingdom. And Jesus uses his commands to feed others, to provide, to teach the disciples. This is what ministry looks like, even when you're tired, even when you're exhausted, even when you're in a desolate place and need some time alone. So I want you to see the distinction between Herod's leadership style and Jesus's leadership style because they are vastly, vastly different. So then he commanded them all to sit down in groups. Now I've highlighted the word groups here because the word in Greek is actually the word groups and then the word groups again. So it's just double groups. Uh, and, and what happens when you do this is you just emphasize the definition of uh, the particular word in this case. So uh, this has a bit of a party flavor to it. So sit down in groups on the green grass. Now, I, I will confess to you, there are parts of Mark's gospel that we have already covered. This is week 57, right? So we're two-thirds of the way through Mark chapter 6. Uh, we will likely finish when we finish. It might be 2022 sometime. That's fine. I don't really care. Uh, but there have been parts and phrases of Mark so far that I have not fully understood and have mentioned them through teaching and perhaps they'll make sense the farther we go. I'm not really sure. Uh, but this little phrase, the green grass, has been one that I did not understand why anybody would care what color the grass was that day. It didn't make a lot of sense to me until last week, because uh, actually a week before last, today starts a new week. So week before last, uh, Daryl asked me to speak in the Sunday morning service with him about Psalm 23, five. And in studying Psalm 23, five, I had to read Psalm 23, two periodically. So we're gonna go back to Psalm 23, two for just a second. So Psalm 23, one is the Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, Mark has already used the word uh, shepherd back in verse 34. So he has positioned Jesus as someone, he's actually positioned these people as someone who need a shepherd. And then appears someone who asked these people to sit down in orderly fashion on the green grass. Now, someone who would have known and been familiar with the Old Testament would have immediately put this shepherd concept and the green grass concept together and realized that's who David was talking about. Mark is trying to draw us to Psalm 23 to help us see this is the good shepherd. So I'm appreciative for Daryl for asking me to help him teach uh, last Sunday because it helped make this phrase that I have read for 10 to 12 weeks now as we've studied Mark chapter 6, make a lot more sense. So thanks, Darren. So verse 40. So they sat down in groups. Now this is a different word for groups. Uh, this is prosia. Uh, this is more of a garden plot. This is the idea of structure. This is the idea of things are neatly arranged. Um, so I feel like I have a theological basis now for being a bit obsessive compulsive. So there we go. Uh, Julie's laughing on the couch at me right now. So those of you can't hear. So verse 40. So they sat down in group groups by hundreds and by fifties. 
Now this is significant, and I won't go into all this detail because it takes a tremendous amount of time, but Moses does something in the Old Testament that is a bit similar to this. So I'll just give a head nod to that and keep going. Verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. So the five loaves and the two fish are with him. Jesus looks up to heaven and he says a blessing. And if you recall a little further on in the New Testament, in uh, Acts on the Emmaus Road, the two disciples that are walking with Jesus and they're having a conversation about uh, the Messiah and Jesus and how he has changed everything. They don't know who he is. But when he says a blessing, the scripture says their eyes are opened, right? And there's something different about his blessings that were distinct from the people of the day that were giving blessings. So this word blessing just means to speak well of or to bless. Uh, in 641, in 87, uh, and in 1422, it's specifically talking about Jesus blessing food. So in 641, this is the blessing of the fish and the bread before feeding of the 4,000. In 87, this is the blessing of the bread and the fish before the feeding of the 5,000. Yes, Jesus did this big exercise more than once. No, the disciples didn't understand it the second time either. And then in 1422, uh, later on toward the end of the uh, Gospel of Mark, uh, Jesus is blessing the uh, Last Supper, um, the elements of the Last Supper. Now, the, the other two blessings, the other three blessings that are in Mark are 11.9 and 11.10. This is when Jesus is entering into Jerusalem, this triumphal entry, and the people are saying, uh, Hosanna, uh, blessed is he who comes, blessed is he who comes. So the, this blessing that the people give to Jesus but there's one more blessing in Mark, and it's Mark chapter 10, verse 16. So you've got your Bibles, head over to Mark 10, 16. I want you to see this. So start in verse 13. It says, And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. He was not happy. Uh, and said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. So if you're a kid watching today, Jesus loves you. He specifically says, uh, let the children come to me. He is a safe place to go. This is a good thing. So verse 15, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Verse 16, and he took them, the little children, in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. He takes them in his arms, in his arms, puts his hands on them. This would have been on their head. This is where the traditional Jewish blessing would have occurred. And he blessed them. What a beautiful picture of how Jesus cares for his own. So he does a blessing. He gives a blessing four times in the Gospel of Mark. Three for food, once for kids. So he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. Now, before we go into this part, what did Jesus command the disciples to do? Back in verse 37, he commanded the disciples, he answered them, you give them something to eat. And I wanna make sure we see this very small nuance that Jesus does here. Jesus doesn't hand out the bread and the fish. What he does is he provides for the disciples to be obedient to his command. This is a good shepherd. This is a good shepherd. So he gave them to the disciples, verse uh, 30, verse 41, gave them to the disciples to set before. 
So this is a present active subjunctive. Present actives are uh, repeated type things. Subjunctive is this mood of possibility or potential. Uh, so to set before, so they're setting before and setting before and setting before and setting before. I can see uh, Jesus breaking and 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 they come back and they get some more and they go and they come back and they get some more and they go and they come back and they get some more and they go. And this over and over and over. And in the end of the text in this passage talks about there's 4,000 men and we just assume that there are more uh, people associated there because there's likely to be women and children. Uh, only the men were counted. This could have been upwards of 10, 15,000 people. This would have taken a while for 12 guys to be runners back and forth to these different sections that are organized and structured. And I get winded talking about it because I, I can see the disciples running back and forth and taking this out. But don't miss that Jesus provided what they needed to obey Jesus. And he still does this for us. We, some of us right now, and I think all of us in the near future, will be in desolate places. We will be isolated in this social distancing. Uh, and Jesus will provide what we need to be obedient to Jesus right here, right now just as he did for the disciples here. So, gave them to the disciples to set before the people, and he divided the two fish among them all. Verse 42, and they all, so Pastor Gary, if you're watching this morning, what does all mean? It means all, absolutely. They all, they passed, every single one of them ate and were satisfied. This word for satisfied is the idea of to supply food in abundance. I'm not hungry anymore which is what happens when you come to the shepherd. Verse 43, and they, these are the disciples, took up or lifted up or took away, raised up to sail away, which is interesting because that's about what they're about to do. They took up 12 baskets. These would have been small baskets. 12 baskets full or filled up to the top of broken pieces and of the fish. So they had plenty left over. And the, the amazing thing is that they had substantially more left over after the story than they did before the story. Because before, the entire crowd together had five loaves and a couple of fish. And after, they had 12 baskets. Now, if you've got 12 apostles and you've got 12 baskets, it kind of makes sense that each one of them would be carrying one, which I think is an interesting way to walk off to the ship that they're about to go to, each one with a basket, carrying a reminder of their doubting of Jesus' ability to provide. Because they wanted to send these people away. They didn't look to Jesus first for an answer. They looked to their logic. They looked to man's ability to supply. They didn't look to Jesus first. So don't skip over Jesus as an option to resolve our needs of broken pieces and the fish. Verse 44, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. That's a lot of people. I don't know if you've ever been in a group of people this large, um, but it's one of the reasons I think that Jesus uh, made them sit down in, group, in smaller groups uh, originally because it's easier to actually engage with a massive group if you subdivide them. But this would be thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So a couple of uh, application points and then a couple of personalization points. So application number one, 
Uh, Jesus provides in desolate places. This is not something that should surprise us. This is something that should encourage us. So what do we do with that now? How does that impact us as today, uh, as believers today? We trust him now. That is our job, is to trust him now. And where we are not trusting him, repent and believe anew in the gospel. I challenge you to do this. So what is the point? Another point from this text is obedience always yields a better outcome. Obedience always yields a better outcome. Now, I don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that God will supply your physical needs in a better way when you obey. But many times he will. But specifically, spiritually speaking, obedience is always a better outcome for the believer. So what do we do with that? Personalize number two, obey him now. Right? This is quite simple. Just obey him now. Um, application number three, I want to make sure that you see the distinction between Jesus and Herod. Uh, Jesus is better than Herod. Jesus is a better king than Herod. Jesus is a better leader than Herod. And Jesus is certainly a better shepherd than Herod. Um, if at any time in your life you are placing your faith in a governmental leader or the government itself, I would uh, challenge and chastise you to repent of that sin and to place your faith in Jesus Christ and in uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because there is no government leader that can hold a candle to what Jesus can do. So Jesus is a better king than Herod is another point from this text. So what do we do with that? Well, listen for his commands. And if we only had some place where they were all written down, wouldn't that be helpful? Uh, they're here. Uh, many of us are going to be out of our normal routines during the next few weeks and months. And I would encourage you to build new routines, to build new habits, to build new patterns related to looking at the book, to studying the scripture, to getting to know the shepherd better, to getting to know this king better. Uh, because if we profess him as king, we should behave as if he is our king. And then application point number four, Jesus is the good shepherd, right? Don't miss this. This is just glaring all the way through this text. Uh, so what do we do as sheep? We follow him now. That is the job, that is the role of the sheep. So right now in the middle of this COVID-19 uh, issue that is sweeping the globe, what do we need right now? Well, we need a shepherd who leads well, who is loving, who is clear with his commands and is worthy of our obedience and trust. And we have that in Jesus. He is what we need. So I hope that you are encouraged. I hope that you are not fearful. I hope that you are not afraid. Uh, our shepherd knows what we need. Our shepherd is with us. Our shepherd will not leave us. Uh, and on that, I would encourage you uh, to look at the homework section at the bottom of page 197 next week. Uh, Lord willing, we will start with Mark uh, 645. That's your one blank for today. And we'll go until we're finished. Uh, so your homework for next week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times, to think about Mark often day and night, to talk with someone dead or alive about Mark, to share your insights about Mark, and then to invite a member and a non-member. And at the very bottom of page 197, uh, if you want to subscribe to our weekly email or podcast or our YouTube channel, you can do so at OurSundaySchool.com. 
if this is the type of Bible study, um, because we don't, this is actually studying the Bible. So the, the text is our primary source here. Um, if this is the type of Bible study that you are interested in, I would encourage you to go to OurSundaySchool.com, click on the About Us tab, and listen to uh, the lesson that is listed there. It'll walk you through the directions for becoming a member of Our Sunday School. Super simple. And if you decide that you want to commit to those homework items, you can be a member of Our Sunday School, even if you're a member of a different Sunday School or a member of a different church, or if you don't go to church at all. We're looking for folks to pray, hear, think, talk, share, and invite. And if you'd like to join us in that, we would love to have you. Now, next steps, uh, if the, in the comments of this particular Facebook video, if you have any prayer requests, please capture them there. Please document them. We'd love to pray over those with you. Uh, if you have uh, anything that is an adjustment of a prior prayer request for those that are members of our Sunday School, please just give, uh, you can make updates there if you like. Uh, next, lean in, engage, and pray for someone who is not with you. So find somebody that comes to your mind, ask the Holy Spirit right now to bring somebody to your mind that uh, is not with you and pray for them. Just spend a couple minutes praying for them and then go to the Stuart Heights Facebook page to join us for worship at 10 o'clock. Uh, Gary's got a message for us there uh, and I look forward to seeing you there and thanks for joining us this morning at uh, our Sunday school. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.